Hi, this is Dr. David Moffat, the coach, consultant, and owner of The Ultimate Patient Experience, and you are listening to hashtag POD Podcasts of Dentistry with Dr. Panks. This podcast is sponsored by Rocketbook at podcastofdentistry.com slash Rocketbook. I hate wasting paper, and if I could, I would not use pen and paper at all. But I love the feeling of writing with a pen and a nice paper. Somehow, I feel connected to it. But I always hated the fact that I cannot bring my ideas to the digital world. Now, Rocketbook is the exact amalgamation of both the physical and the virtual world. Here's how it works. You can draw or write on the Rocketbook. Take a picture with the Rocketbook app and magically it cleans the picture and sends it to Google Drive, Evernote, Dropbox, OneDrive, OneNote, Slack, Box, iMessage, or even classic email. Just configure the symbol once. That's it. Everything goes to where you choose it to go. When done, you can use a moist paper towel and you can erase it only to be used again. Simply saving paper. Head over to podcastofdentistry.com slash rocketbook. Today I'm going to bring you a dentist who is a real entrepreneur, setting up multiple dental offices, CEO of a tech company, and overall a very savvy thinker. Let's welcome Dr. Arsh Hakamian. Now, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a classic session but after interviewing him once about tele-dentistry and getting to know him, I had to bring him for Tim Ferriss inspired questions. And I'm glad I did. I would recommend that you listen to him at least for Tim Ferriss inspired questions towards the end. Dr. Arsh owns and runs multiple dental offices and a successful tele-dentistry app called as Dentulu. This session is not about Dentulu, but about the person behind all the hard work and of course teledentistry. We certainly delve into teledentistry in general and how we can utilize this technology in the pandemic times of COVID-19. We all have to agree COVID-19 is bringing us a new norm around the world including dentistry. I believe we have to adapt in such times and come out stronger and that's where teledentistry can play a role in this ever-changing environment. We not only talked about tele-dentistry, but also how it can be used to bring in new patients to your office. Dr. Arsh shares his journey from being a dentist to an entrepreneur to be involved with tele-dentistry. I think we had the most fun interviewing while discussing Tim Ferriss-inspired questions. He shares his rituals, purchases, his mentors, and many, many more interesting stories. We had fun, and I'm sure you will too, getting to know the man behind Dentulu. For our audience, he has offered a special deal at podcastofdentistry.com slash Dentulu. Please welcome Dr. Arush Hakamian. Thank you. First of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, coming to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry. For, for people who don't know you, why don't, before you talk about your tele-dentistry or anything of that nature. 
why don't you tell uh, who Dr. Arash Hakamian is? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll give you a brief summary, I guess, uh, kind of where we came from and how we got here today. Uh, I'm part of a, a long uh, family history of either medical or dental professionals. My mom, my dad, brother, sister, uh, everyone's licensed dentist. We have one, one brother who became a vet. But he also performs dentistry, which is uh, which is really pretty funny. He was trying to escape dentistry, and uh, <laughs> the apple doesn't uh, fall too far from the tree. But uh, we we immigrated here, uh, and um, from I I ended up my, my, from Iran. My 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 family was from Iran. Uh, we had to we had to leave Iran after the uh, the revolution. It wasn't safe, um, and. My doctor, uh, my father, as a dentist, had to recredential get his license here, and so it was their dream that we uh, we we continue the family tradition. So we, I, I graduated from UCLA with a degree in psychobiology and anthropology, uh, and went to USC School of Dentistry and graduated uh, with an emphasis on uh, working with medically compromised patients. So. I think from UCLA, I really enjoyed just learning about different cultures and 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 really enjoyed just learning about different different people and different backgrounds. And it made me really comfortable working with uh, different types of patients. And yeah. and then from USC, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And, I, and with USC, I, I think I learned a lot about um, working with medically compromised patients and underserved communities. So I think that the cumulatively – and the, the two amalgamated with one another it formed this uh, desire to work with diff- people of different backgrounds and then work with underserved communities. Um, I, I immediately graduated and I went to uh, office ownership. I didn't I didn't really work with uh, work for anyone. And um, within a couple of years, I had a pretty successful practice and I ended up uh, opening up multiple more practices uh, throughout the, the next couple of years. Um, and and. Immediately after graduating, I started working. Um, I started volunteering in Guatemala and, and Vietnam, and uh, pretty much every country you can name in Central and South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then you know some places, uh, including Korea and, and Vietnam. And as as I was doing this, I was also brushing up on on surgery skills. So I had the the honor and pleasure of meeting some amazing surgeons and learning about implantology. And some some years later, uh, I actually helped. Um, I was with one of the co-founders with um, Dr. Tony Daher and Dr. Jin Kim, uh, two amazing clinicians, world-renowned. And we, uh, with a group of other doctors, formed the Global Dental Implant Academy. So we started learning about. Uh, the, we started teaching other clinicians how to place okay. implants, and yeah. And so that was kind of a fun experience. Uh, and then started, you know, continuing to do more and more uh, volunteer work in in various countries, and so I got a lot. I got involved in doing mobile dentistry, and uh, I realized that a lot of this uh, mobile work we were doing, uh, the, the surgeries, and I would come back and I had zero follow up care with these patients. Yep. And yep. Like how I, it, at home in Beverly Hills, I'm I'm doing three or four follow ups, and uh, I go to Guatemala and I'm doing major surgeries there. Um, oftentimes, sometimes without x-ray, sometimes, I mean, we're going to places where there's no electricity. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just crazy, uh, the lack of access to care in some places. So, um, I wanted to come back and I wanted to do something about that. And, 
And I realized that the technology is there uh, and and why not be able to follow up with these people? We have satellites and cell reception. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, there's homeless people who can't find they, – they don't have money for almost anything, but they all have cell phones. Uh, yeah. And so I, I realized that like even – even the poorest of the poor in a lot of places actually had access to some kind of cell phone. Huh. So, so we we really started. Um, I, I I took a real a conscientious decision to uh, uh, to to downgrade my um, the number of practices I owned and to really focus on uh, doing uh, more more clinical dentistry uh, on a mobile side and then helping out with advancing access to care through the utilization of talent. I think with that little introduction, um, I have so many questions, but I don't know where to start. Let's start with one. So how, how many practices did you have at one time, the peak of your number of practices? That's um, so, so <laughs> directly and directly. I had like seven to eight practices at one time. Uh, and so, I was helping really what I was trying to do. I helped a lot of my associates open up their own practices. They just had such a hard time uh, making that move. Mm. So I would take my associates and then I would help them basically start their own practice. And then I would withdraw, yeah. withdraw so, myself from it. Yeah. Got it. So that's kind of, uh, generally what I did. But, you know, my, my core focus always was uh, in, in setting up good systems and, um, and trying to uh, step away and allow allow my associates to do do the work and allow me to go. I was I was the dentist for the Special Olympics and I was teaching surgery and I was I was advancing you know teledentistry and mobile dentistry. So I I really wanted to make a bigger impact than just being uh, being in the brick and mortar office. But um, but I was there. I still continue to work. I've, I've worked up until actually about eight months ago. Uh, yeah. I got into a car accident and, and hurt myself. So I haven't worked uh, clinically since then, but, but I, I really enjoyed still practicing dentistry and, uh, and I hope to continue to do so for, for years uh, when, when I can get okay. back into it. So, so uh, you had seven to eight practices and how many uh, do you have right now? The reason I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm not, I'm not here to, because I'm trying to understand the, the, the turn in events, what made you sell those practices, you know, after uh, you had seven to eight of them and depending on how many you got now, um, what made you sell them and, or move out of that? And I think, I think at one point I realized that uh, at some point the, if the quality Mm. of work, and the, the level of supervision that I can have was starting to become compromised. And that's definitely not the direction I wanted to go into. And I, I've dedicated myself to, to trying to provide some value. And I really want to make sure I end my, end my career proud of what I've done personally. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, to – my dad gave me a huge lecture uh, <laughs> He rarely gave me a lot of advice. But, you know, when I graduated dental school, he said, look, you know, you can you – can, convince a lot of people to do a lot of things, but, um, you can't lie to yourself. So if you, if you start doing things, uh, that's too financially driven and you're doing things that are unethical, you're going to hate yourself later on. And, and so it stuck with me and I was like, sure. and, and 
when I felt like it was going in that direction, I started immediately downsizing and um, and really just focusing on one or two offices and being able to. I have one closer to Beverly Hills where I see all my celebrity clients, and then I had one uh, in downtown LA when where I was offering really good quality uh, care to you know just everyday everyday people and and being able to bring that quality to yeah. areas where sure. it was unaffordable. You know? Yeah. So um, now uh, it's a fun question, but uh, so who's your biggest uh, celebrity client uh, or you ever saw even for emergency? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you want to, here's the funny part about that. Sure. Um, I actually, I actually don't watch TV. I don't, I, I own a television, but I, I, don't know any of these. I, I don't know half these people. So I've seen a lot of celebrities and I realize that they're celebrities when my staff are freaking out about them. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, to me, like, I, I you know. Um, what you remember, that's you guys, fine. You guys said junior. I've seen Kardashians. I've gone to the, I've, I was a dentist for the, the Saudi Arabian royal family. I've been flown out to Dubai and treat them. So um, I see a lot of, uh, you know, high level people, but but to me, you know, it didn't really make a difference. If you want to know the, the my most memorable patients, okay. were probably people in from Guatemala that uh-huh. didn't pay me anything. It's crazy, <laughs> but I I think uh, those were the most memorable patients. There's only veneers and you know and cosmetic stuff you can Dude, you do yeah. all that stuff. So it's not that hard, but you know. Grandma bringing you a, a burrito and taco the next day. <laughs> Thank you. It's like uh, it's those kind of things that. Uh, that you know that that really Connects, made yeah. a huge impact on me. There's, a, there's this one lady who told me something. It, it stuck with me. Told yeah. this. She said in Spanish, uh, "Que tan pobre, tan pobre son la gente que solo tienen dinero." She says, "How poor, how poor are those people that only have money?" And uh, it, 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 you know, it made sense to me. It's like it wasn't all about the money. It was really more about the. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your time? And what are you going to do mm. with your with your capabilities? So, yeah, I've had the wide range from the very, very, very poor to doing uh, implants in a bathroom made of gold. You know, everything was golden in the, and, you know, Saudi Arabia. Sequ- sequential $100 bills that just felt they, they just got printed off some printer. It was oh, just, wow. uh, and everything in between. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, and that's a good, uh, that's a good. Uh, spectrum to understand uh you know right. what you've been through and uh now were you is your were you always like that you know uh, kind of not attracted towards money or did you all were you always that smart or intelligent or mature to begin with uh you know <clears throat> that you understood that success is not the money driven but people driven or family driven or whatever you know, was it that I, you're in your upbringing, or you think you, something happened in your life that uh, you think? You know, my, I think it's a combination of stuff. You know, my my parents, my mom used to take my brothers and I uh, to uh, Noah's Bagels. We used to go to this bagel shop and collect uh, collect their bagels at the end of every single day. And then we would go to Skid Row in downtown LA and pass them out to homeless people. So like they kind of we enjoyed that together and. Uh, I think so. That part was always there, but but to be honest with you, I graduated dental school with five hundred thousand dollars in debt, mm. and I had I had no money. I, I I was in you know I started really far behind, and so I remember those days. I remember those days. I bought my first practice on Craigslist. 
Oh yeah, fifty thousand dollars. That that was my first practice was on Craigslist, and so I came from humble beginnings. And I remember the days I used to make a uh, you know. Yeah. I first made a thousand dollars a day. I was took out all my staff and celebrated, and it was like it was, <laughs> you get to a point where uh, you know it doesn't matter, and then you you come home and you start looking for uh, for maybe other things that 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 will uh, fulfill. You know, you get sure. desensitized. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. We were talking about you've seen money all around, and uh, you, and I think it's how you were brought up uh, that probably that probably got you into appreciating uh, the love or or the care. Um, I usually ask these questions towards the end, but I, I think we are already on the track. So, what is your definition of success then? My definition of success is what you do with what you have. What so you it, do I think it's what you have. Okay. I think uh, you know, someone could be start off very rich and financially successful, and uh, and take that and and escalate that and, and translate that into something else. Uh, you know, and then I think for someone who who maybe is uh, I, and there's difference in financial success and in uh, you know in accomplishment success, but. Um, you know, I think I think success is uh, is going to be where you started off from and what you made out of that, uh, you know, that that initial potential that you were given. So whether it's financial success or uh, you know accomplishments and what what kind of a legacy you leave behind and how many people you were able to mm. touch around the way, you know, oh. that's great. Okay, so um, and uh, who do you think uh, who do you think is uh, one of the successful people whose name come to your mind? Uh, to me, you know, someone that was very influential. Kim Kardashians? T- Don't say Kim Kardashians. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, uh, you know, Anthony Robbins for me was like uh, pretty influential in my life. I first saw his commercials and I was thinking like, you know, these guys, what are these self-help people trying to motivate, you really? know, motivate you? Yeah. 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 But, uh, Someone gave me his DVD years later. They had this like a uh, thirty day unleash the power within, and, yeah, uh, I and I would listen. I used to listen to. I used to listen to like talk radio on the way to work. Yeah. I was like such an yeah. angry person uh, <laughs> listening to talk radio, and I started listening to his podcast. And I would like purposely try to stay in traffic because I was trying to absorb what he had to say. Mm. And um, I think a lot of what he had to say initially empowered me, and and he came from. Very humble, uh, humble yeah. beginnings, and I yeah. think the f- impact he's had. I think so. He's he's someone I think is uh, to me. I think that's a definition of success because I see how many people I've been to his shows, and I see how many people are there, and like the the impact he's had on my life and others. But there's so many people who, um, you know, who kind of mimic uh, his success and who've kind of mirrored that. But I think he's been someone that is immensely successful, in my opinion. Oh, okay. and, and and he's an indirect mentor to me. I think through his uh, through his teachings. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, for people who don't know, uh, Tony Robbins is a self help guru, and you know uh, he's been uh, on pretty much all the platforms. Who's helped uh, Barack Obama? Uh, Barack Obama, 
um, Oprah and so on. You know, pretty much everybody says that he's met many presidents in his life uh, and, uh, you know, and so on. So uh, great, great. Uh, I think we'll come back to these questions towards the end. Uh, but I think uh, I want to switch gear here uh, and get back to, um, you know, your your story and journey. So you reduce down the number of practices. I'm trying to get a little timeline here too. Um and then you started focusing on one or two offices, as I understand. And when did you start thinking about teledentistry? When did because before it was finalized and it comes to fruition, uh, it must have taken some time before you got into. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a combination of factors. Like I said, the idea that I wasn't able to do my follow up care to uh, to patients in in underserved communities where I was doing surgeries. And then I remember vividly, I was at a dental convention with my dad. I've been to, you know, I was a convention junkie. I still am. So I used (laughs) to just love going to the booth and talking to everyone. And I saw this like line of people, uh, like 150 people uh, lined up to, to talk to this one booth. And I was wondering what was so magical that had just been introduced and it was uh, it was it was like a log me in remote login into a desktop, and and I was like, I looked at my dad. I was like, this is first. First of all, this is free, and this is not new. And I realized like dentists are so hyper focused in operative dentistry and what you know what new technology they can implement within their um, clinical skills. They yeah. they're you know on. A, I I've had patients. I've had dentists now as a result of this coronavirus. I mean, the number one question they're asking me is, "What is teledentistry?" And I'm like, like I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked that people are asking now what teledentistry is, and it's the yeah. same. And it just validates the point that um, that we need. Uh, and then I say, "Hey, well, are you familiar with Smile Direct Club?" And they're like, "Yeah, you know, I, I hate Smile Direct Club." I was like, "Well, that's the biggest teledentistry company in the world." Uh, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's teledentistry. So I realized that we have to, um, and that you know, we have to take uh, a proactive approach as dentists to uh, implement technology for our benefit and for our patients' benefit, instead of waiting for corporations to do it uh, for us. Well, and so yeah, that that's a- true. But I'm still, yeah. still try- sorry, sorry to cut you off here because I want to make sure that I understand the timeline. Uh, so you ha- you wanted to follow up with the patients. Uh, you know, right. whom you treated at Guatemala or any other developing country. Uh, and then finally, uh, finally, you thought about teledentistry. But when did, what was the other, uh, what made you feel so confident that you would want to do something like that and you can be successful at it? I'm not saying you're not, but I'm just saying at that point of time when you were trying to you didn't know it's going to be successful or not but what made you understand yeah. and convince you that you could be successful i was teaching a, I was teaching a lecture at um in san diego and uh and and so i i went by to the, to the lecture the, the person who was lecturing next to me was ed zuckerberg which is mark zuckerberg's father okay. uh he was a dentist Florida. So he, he was, uh, this is like early on in Facebook years, he was teaching dentists how to do social media marketing. And he actually gave me my first little card with a free credit on, uh, on how to use social media marketing. Uh, yeah. This is like a, a decade ago. So, so I remember having, a, a, you know, having 
I was eating with Ed Zuckerberg, and then the next lecture I went to, I saw I met Howard Farron. Yeah, and these are all within, within two hour period. I met these two uh, these two amazing, incredible people, and so. Um, on one side, you know, Ed Zuckerberg got me involved in technology uh, and and marketing, and so I started getting interested in like uh, SEO and website development, and, and and I started learning about that stuff. And then huh. Howard Farron was a very progressive, and I, I so I learned a lot from him as well. And so I think I started paying attention. Um, I learned about marketing, patient acquisition, technology, and it enabled me to streamline uh, a lot of um, a lot of marketing uh, and patient acquisition modalities within my practices, which allowed me then to step out of my practices a little bit and and to to, to about this other stuff. So I think the technology side came a little bit from that end and getting involved in, you know, learning about search engine optimization and how to do social media. And then once I started getting a little taste of that um, and, and then realizing you know, okay, there's there's these other opportunities out there, and then reading about telemedicine, which has been mm. which has been you know trail blazing the trail ahead of us. Uh, telemedicine is in like full effect. People have been utilizing it. Medical doctors have been utilizing it, and dentistry is just like trailing behind. And yeah. dentists believe that there's no way to be able to do dentistry through through you know video conferencing. So. Mm. I think it was just a combination of stuff. Uh, it was okay. like the, the pain points with with the with the surgeries and uh, follow up care, and then and then realizing like there's this whole you know opportunity here um, that, to implement some of this stuff. You know, teledentistry uh, and you know was initially an idea how to how to get uh, patients through the doors. Like, why can't we just do comp? Why do we have to get leads? Why can't we just get uh, why don't why can't we do consults like virtual consults? Mm. Um, one of my main patient referral sources was the local hospital. Okay, they used to get they used to refer their emergency patients to my office, and then so I learned about this, and I realized there was 2.2 million people going to hospitals annually for emergency dentistry, and I was wondering why they're going to emergency rooms, and I realized well because all the dental offices are closed that night, mm. so I. I then found out that it was actually legal for you to to capture these patients, establish them as a patient of record through teledentistry, um, and be able to meet them, go over their health history, go over their medical history, and if necessary, even prescribe a medication, and then see them at your office the same night or the next day. So, well, is from it- a marketing is it eligible? Like, is it uh, legal in all the states, fifty states of the U.S.? No, uh, it wasn't. Unfortunately, mm. and fortunately, there there were restrictions all over the place. Which now, as a result of the coronavirus, just all of a sudden, just you know, all the all the little bottlenecks and hurdles that we had over, over the last couple of years have just kind of gone out the window. And do you now, think it's? Do you uh, think those uh, legalities would kind of come back again after this coronavirus thing settles down? I don't, don't think so. I think okay. Pandora's box has been opened now because no one had to really implement this stuff. No one had really was really paying attention. The American Dental Association uh, really was was really proactively involved in in lobbying Congress to change uh, some of the laws that pertain to uh, mobile dentistry. And um, Paul Glassman was involved really with 
expanding uh, out of UOP, expanding uh, increased access to care. And a couple of a uh, couple of our my competitors and friends, um, we've all been kind of advocating. Everyone comes from a good place. I think most of us came from a good place, and we're doing this to try to help you know, senior living centers and, and try to help, you know, maybe underserved communities uh, or, or elementary school students in, in bad neighborhoods. So we were trying to implement these and use and show the positive use cases, um, you know, in, in, a, in a way that would show the world and show the legislators um, how beneficial teledentistry uh, could be for society. And then, you know, now obviously there's people who've commercialized uh, and, and, and utilized it for their own gain. But I think initially all the people from, you know, from mouthwash to the teledentist, all these, all our competitors and, uh, you know, they're all my friends. Um, we were all really, really active in, in trying to enhance uh, and, and make sure teledentistry moves forward in a good direction right. to increase access. Yeah, you right. Know? Uh, uh, I think um, uh, for people, uh, for the for the audience who doesn't know, uh, Doctor Arsh has um, uh, a teledentistry uh, app called Dentulu, D E N T U L U, um, and uh, for those who don't know, that's what we what we've been talking about. And essentially, uh, he's going to start talking more in details about how we can use that, who's it for. And things like that. So, for people who don't didn't understand the context here, why we started talking about teledentistry is because of his own app. So, why don't we start talking a little bit about Dentulu now? Um, uh, is it let Let's start with simple questions. Is it um, only for my new patients or my existing patients? Dentulu can be used for. So, so I, I can guarantee you've already been implementing teledentistry. If you've ever had, if you've done an implant and you called your patient to follow up with them and see how they're doing, that's teledentistry. Right. You were performing a procedure, a follow up with a patient who was not physically where you are. So, so we've been doing, we've been implementing teledentistry for current patients, um, and basically being able to do follow up care, being able to call in a prescription for someone. So. It's not only for continuity of care. You know, one of the things we've, we've developed, uh, we're the first people to, to create a consumer intraoral camera. This consumer, I have several different designs on these intraoral cameras. And, um, and these intraoral cameras that we provide, uh, dentists, surgeons, uh, can now allow patients to take these home and the dentist can actually see inside the patient's mouth from a different location. So I, I had, you know, uh, if I was going to do a surgery in Dubai, I can place my implants, I can leave one of these cameras behind, and I can still follow up care here in Los Angeles. Hmm. Similarly, someone in another country can get a consult with me but or how, another person. Yeah, but how um, – so following up with my patient, with my own patient whom I understand – all right, Mr. Smith, I took care of your extraction yesterday, a root canal yesterday or whatever. Uh, how are you doing? I'm just asking him, but is it okay for me to diagnose something at least um, uh, remotely? Uh, because that's where, because the problem what I foresee is HIPAA. HIPAA is, they just, rules are so not clear with all that. Um, 
we i wanted to implement tele dentistry i told my friend that i'm going to interviewing you uh, on wednesday you know i'm going to implement tele dentistry from monday onwards you know if i'm open right. or not after hours i am open and i'm going to we have 6 to 8 offices we can implement all that and that's not the point but one thing which he said oh you can see new patients and my my thought process is and i'm scared is i'm a new so if if mr smith who's who i don't know i have no way of knowing who if that is really mr smith right he could be lying right he could be lying about the pain or whatever or uh, he might not be mr smith to begin with i have no way of verifying that i don't have any x-rays i don't i don't know the so if there is a if there is an existing patient i'm okay i i i can look up their records through log me in uh, remote desktop and what not but so i completely agree about existing patients but how about new patients how would that hipa and all the legalities come into picture help me so there's two ways to implement teledentistry and there's actually different codes for these right so there's a there's a live synchronous way and then there's an asynchronous way right. so one of the li- one of the ways that we can do this live for example let's let's take a use case let's say a person is uh has has a a role a lower molar infection okay it's 9pm and uh and they have nowhere to go they can't find a dentist everyone's closed and they end up at your local emergency room the local emergency room now has a uh, very low priority setting for dental dental pain patients right Completely it's not agree. cardiac no cardiac arrest not going to die just hang tight until we see you. so it's a couple hours wait and they finally get them in there so now this doctor is you know he's trying to figure out why this person's ear hurts sure um and so is it an ear infection so they're going through like 20 30 minutes cuz this person's complaining of an ear ache and so they're you know by the time they figure out that this is this is a lower molar infection and they can't do anything about it right, right. Yeah. so let's like a map abscess and they're draining it mm-hmm. they're they're they let these people leave with opioids cuz these people are in excruciating pain yeah. and the patients yeah. are now sent back into the the world and told to find a dentist and guess where they end up again back in the emergency room statistically they end up back in the in the emergency room and so we're we're giving out tons of opioids so what what we did was uh we deployed a very simple setup intraoral camera digital sensor and a nomad okay okay you know, You have radiologists in the, you have doctors radiologists perfectly capable of uh taking a simple x-ray and showing us an inter, you know an intraoral camera they already have the medical history they can still make their money and charge the patient so they're not losing any income and they can now subcontract with a local dentist who can take those uh, emergency calls help them with the diagnosis make sure that they dispense the proper medication and then take a very high converting patient um you know and and basically offboard that patient to their office uh whether it's a DSO or whether it's a private you know mom okay 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 so you're saying you're saying so the same patient if you're closed obviously goes to ER and we have those cameras and uh and the x-ray sensors and everything settled in the same office in the ER and they take all those information right right sends it sends it to us either through any of the teledentistry apps uh, like dentulu and then we can decide 
with those pictures and audio with the videos whatever uh, we can decide whether we want to give her or him any antibiotics or we want to see them early morning tomorrow etc is that what you're trying to say right uh, absolutely so but now, these are these are new patients but they are not really your patients they were actually patients at the er or the urgent care and right. you are just a middleman to take care of them the next day or next business day right absolutely okay, okay. So that's an so, acquisition model and and, yeah. and and it's safe and now uh, you know and and you're involved in the process and so not only can you take care of, take a new patient on but now you've implemented teledentistry in a very uh, HIPAA compliant fashion. Okay. Uh, now that and, that's and- I'm happy with. I think uh, people would agree with that, and that's a good idea. Uh, you know, reach out to your local ER offices and you know talk to them about it. What about? So if I'm a patient and I go to the Dentulu app and I say, "Oh, I am in pain. I need to." So is it patient? Is it B to B or is it B to C? for people who don't know business to business or business to consumer uh what do you think dentulu uh, essentially is is it for the patients or is it for the dentists is uber for the drivers or is it for the customers you know in 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 a way it's for, it's for both right okay. so it's you're, you're, okay. it's, it's uberesque so we allow our clinicians hmm. to not only generate income after hours at a time of their leisure taking emergency calls. Um, they can provide consults, which are completely not uh, emergency situations. You can create a virtual calendar and take cosmetic consults for 10 minutes and talk to someone about cosmetics. Um, you don't have to establish them as a patient of record. You're just giving them advice. Um, you can do that for ortho. You can do that for implants. So you can do that as a part of your marketing campaign. And actually, instead of generating leads, you can actually schedule them for virtual consults. So these people who are interested in cosmetic campaigns that you're running, um, instead of running them through the funnel, as if you're, you're familiar with that, yeah, and, yeah. And, and just and, and hoping that your front office can call them back in a timely manner and remind them that at some point they clicked on something. Uh, and, you know, so those dead leads no longer have to be dead leads. You can actually do virtual consults. You can see if it's a good fit. The patient can see it's a good fit. You can make sure the patient can afford it before bringing them in and taking uh, all the x-rays. Mm-hmm. And and then from there, you can onboard them onto your uh, your EMR and, and hopefully acquire them as a patient. Um, and so that's another way to generate this. And the conversations are HIPAA compliant. They're on an AWS system. It's a HIPAA compliant service by, by uh, Amazon. Uh, everything's recorded. And you're not under any obligation to prescribe anything to anyone, you know, what's an emergency? You would not, right now, one of the biggest issues we have is what is an emergency? All of a sudden, everyone's defining what an emergency is, right? So some people are saying cleanings are emergencies and they want to keep their offices open so they yeah. can you know, do cleanings. Nah, uh, yeah. Some patients feel that bleeding gums are an emergency. So I've had patients freaking out and panicking, like my gums are bleeding. Yeah. What do I do? Where do yeah. I go? So that's an emergency. Um, So you can assess that and and it doesn't necessarily require that you prescribe anything. um, But should you see someone who has, you know, fistula and has an abscess or or something that you can actually address, prescribing Paradex or or a couple of, you know, ibuprofens, um, you're not going to prescribe coding uh, and biting over, but you can prescribe things that will alleviate their pain and then you can see them in your office as long as you go through. 
medical so, history as long as you go through those things. Yeah, yeah. So let's go uh, and create one scenario. I think I understand the two other scenarios you mentioned. They, I, I love them actually. I like them. The third scenario which I want to create is this guy, same patient who called you. He says, "Oh, I've got this pain on the lower right side, and I've got this swelling, and I, I can, I can visibly see the swelling." The patient is saying, uh, "Of yeah. course," and so. How would the patient even reach out to a dentist who is a part of Dentulu to begin with? Is it is it uh, you are going to advertise about Dentulu and then they would just go and download the apps and uh, and then hopefully whoever is available, even in the same state or out of the state, um, would take his or her phone call or or so. How would that work? How would that work in that scenario? Is it synchronous, asynchronous? Uh, people who don't know, um, synchronous would be like the way me and Dr. Arsha is doing it together, you know, uh, live basically. And asynchronous is somebody who would send an information prior and then I being a dentist or Dr. Arsh or whoever is available would read, go through that information is, uh, at a different time and then respond to the patient. So that is asynchronous, not together, not at the same time. So how would that work in, in, in that scenario for a patient who's got emergencies and on the lower right side, he reaches out to the dentist and what could I actually do? It's certainly asynchronous as I understand. Am I right? Um, how, would, how would I handle that patient? Because I don't know him. Uh, how is HIPAA? HIPAA into a problem, uh, can I really prescribe him any antibiotics for that matter? How would I verify that patient is really what he, who he says he is? Absolutely. So there's tons of different, there's tons of different uh, steps and checks and balances here. So, so let's say, you know, and this is an actual scenario, right? So someone, uh, someone has uh, like an embossed tooth, right? Someone falls down. They have a, only 30 minutes to figure out, you know, get, right. get dental office, right? So what do they usually do? They clean it off. They put it in milk. Uh, you know, they, they're not sure. It's something they're unprepared for, right? So we, we've proactively um, created value propositions for, for patients to just have this free app. There's patient education. There's free consultations. So we want tons of actual members on here. And if they have an emergency, five minutes to get to uh, – to get to a licensed dentist. So now immediately dentists can say like, look, hold on, put the tooth back in for a second. Let's, you know, or, or, or don't, don't do this. Don't touch it. You don't need to put soap on it. It doesn't require any type of prescription. And it, you know, if someone calls your office, what would you say? Right. If someone calls your office and say, my daughter just fell down, knocked out all her teeth. Yeah. The first thing you say is like, I don't even want to know your name. Like, well, listen, you know, calm down. Just take it easy. What did you guys do with the teeth? Are they still there? You would ask a series of questions. And so you can do the same thing and help people immediately. Now, with an abscess, you're not going to just call. You're not going to get a call and, you know, someone has uh, an abscess and just call in a prescription. You slow down. You ask them about their what happened. You They've already filled. They've already paid for this. Mm -hmm. So they've paid with a credit card with their information. They have an ID that they have uploaded, so they take a picture of the front and back of their identification. If they're utilizing insurance, they've uploaded this information. You go through their medical history. 
you talk about their allergies, and you do a process of checks and balances. And so if necessary, and if you think it's appropriate and you want to call on a prescription, you're prescribing it under the person's name. You have a copy of their their driver's license. Okay. And you're not prescribing any uh, opioids and you're not yeah. you're not doing anything, you know. I'm I've never prescribed any of these uh dangerous medications. I've never I've never needed to. Um and if 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 I felt like a a, a drug seeker, which I, I I haven't had, believe it or not, I've never <laughs> had that. And I've yeah. never I've never had to do that. So yeah. it's not just about prescribing. Mm. It's about adding immediate you know, immediate value to them, whether it's, it's calming them down, pointing them in the right direction, or sometimes I say you, you should go to the hospital. Okay. I would recommend you to the hospital. Um, and then sometimes I say, look, you know, it's 11 p.m. If you want me to come to the office right now, I'll come. Um, you know, if you if your veneer popped off and you really want me to come right now, it's going to be a $500 charge. Sure. And, and, you know, do you want to pay a five hundred dollar charge? And sure, if they do, then I'll go and open up my office and I'll I'll cement their veneer back on for them. Mm-hmm. And I've had it. I've had you know I've had a wide range of these. So now in that scenario, you just mentioned about like somebody who's willing to pay money to come to the office. Can the dentist go by himself? I don't think he can. He needs to have somebody as an assistant, uh, at least a third person uh, in the office at that odd hour. Uh, before you can actually do the dental work, am I correct in understanding that? I'm I I'm not aware of any such law, and I I have personally uh, I've been in situations where it's eleven o'clock at night, and who am I going to call? I'm yeah. going to wake up my assistant, so I, I go to the office, and I personally stayed in my office till you know. I remember one time I, I stayed in my office. Hmm. I swear till four a.m. Oh wow! This lady, her her mother died, and she had to oh. go to Mexico. She lost her dentures, and I literally made her full set of dentures. Then, like the the morning, the night before she left, she she was like, "I have to go to her funeral. I can't go without teeth." And I set her teeth and created her dentures, and I was there till four a.m. So I don't know. I've, I've practiced bef- before without someone in the office, so I'm not okay. really sure. Okay. Was it legal or illegal, but I've done. You know, yeah. it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. You know. Uh, you, so you, so you, but yeah, if certainly you can have someone on the call, then I was I would recommend yeah. you have someone go in as, as for your protection, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um I'm only talking about protection, not legal issues or whatever, but just for protection. Um what about uh you said insurance companies they would, you know, upload the insurance uh information too. Uh how many insurance companies do, if at all, accept uh tele dentistry code? Uh, I think the code is nine 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 five and nine 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 six. That's right. Yeah, that's great. So, so that will change by the time this is aired. Okay. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, Medicare had allowed these, and certain and and these codes are not new. Okay. Um, but all of a sudden now, as a result of the coronavirus, and you know, we we don't want doctors to uh, to expose themselves, their staff, and their patients. Um, and so now we want continuity of care, and we need to pay for, for some of these procedures. So now all of a sudden, uh, all the insurance companies are following suit and actually providing codes. So okay. Dentulu, Dentulu has um, billing capabilities on there that we're, we, we're, uh, we're going to start actually utilizing now that we have tons of providers. Um, and so we'll, we'll educate you through the process. We'll make sure one of the important things is to make sure, uh, that you geotag 
the location of the patient and the doctor at the time of the event. So this is something that we do, right? So we can see where the patient is and where the doctor is, um, if, if they're in the same state. And, and the, the other reason why we do that is so we can connect the patient with someone local so that they can actually go see this person. Like what, what use is it if I have someone in San Francisco calling a doctor in, you know, in LA sure. and off board. So we actually use technology to geotag them to a local dentist who can not only help them and, but also actually see them if necessary. But as of now, as of now, you think insurance companies do not accept such a claim. I mean, they, they're coming in the, in, in, in next three months or four months, whatever time it, they take, uh, to accept such a claim. Until then, the patients would have to pay out of their pocket. Am I correct? No, they're, no, they, uh, I think Cigna was the first one, but now they're, 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 they're all coming in and saying they're paying for it. One of the issues we faced, I was in a high-level discussion with uh, one of the bigger insurance companies, and uh, the insurance companies have insurance companies, so yeah. they are insured. So now they're trying to figure, they're trying to get insured, um, they're trying to get their insurance companies to cover them so that they can cover their members. And it's like, are you serious? Like, this is the first time you guys thought about this? Like, we really have this discussion? Well, talking to them about how to get their insurance companies to help them cover or convince them to cover. Which, but that's, you know, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad and I'm proud that at least they're taking a proactive approach now and actually providing some kind of a service uh, to to their members and to their providers and and helping facilitate this process. So, okay. you know, I, it was under better circumstances, but I can I can guarantee you that most, if not all, insurances are now going to accept teledentistry as a good modality to not only treat patients but actually they will pay for this because I think they'll realize that they're going to actually save tons of money. Their mm. members are going to be fleeing. Uh, now that members see how valuable this is, unless the insurance companies jump on board and they don't, if they don't start covering it. So like before people would, would leave an insurance, right. And they would, they would ask questions like, do you cover implants? Yeah. Do you cover ortho? Do you cover this? What's your maximum? So now the question is going to be, can I get virtual care around the clock just in case if I have an emergency? And I think this is going to be a huge differentiating factor. And so the insurance companies will be forced to, um, I think, continue this. As of now, uh, whatever insurance companies are already paying, uh, what's the range? I, I'm sure I, I'm not asking the exact number because it depends on the insurance companies and group number and so on. But what's the range of money that a dentist can potentially accept, uh, expect uh, in such a scenario, uh, you know, from thirty dollars to five hundred dollars, I don't know. You know, what I'm asking for for a virtual ex, uh, consult. It's so so basically these these codes are tag are basically submitted in addition to the regular code you would utilize. So if you're doing an exam, you just put in your regular exam code and then you put the you put the synchronous or asynchronous code as an associated. Um, uh, CDT code to show that how it was performed. So you would get paid theoretically whatever you got paid for your exam. If you're taking X-rays, um, if you're you know providing the service, so so whatever that service is, you. Well, would, I'm you talking. Would just, I'm specifically talking about synchronous slash asynchronous. How much is that? Because limited exam and a PA, we already know about the numbers. But I'm asking, you're my patient. I'm you're calling me. I'm your dentist. 
and how much am I expecting for a range? If you know, if you know, I think I think I've seen ranges now thrown around between seventy to one hundred and thirty dollars. Okay, um, I think someone told me today Medicaid. Uh, I, I've been so busy doing uh, these podcasts and actually talking to these sure. major corporations who want to start implementing teledentistry. So I've been talking to. Uh, from insurance companies to to supply companies and everyone in between about this, and as you know, as the leading company doing this, uh, it, it's just been it's just been really hard to keep up uh, with the changing sure. laws. Yeah. Per hour, but from what I last uh, what I last heard, someone was telling me that Medicaid is offering one hundred and thirty dollars for teledental visits, wow. uh, which is are you kidding me? One hundred and thirty dollars? That's, that's insane. Expensive. That's even more than charging. Yeah, yeah. for a ten minute visit. So I have to verify that. I'm not sure if that's accurate, okay. um, but enough. I will verify. That's fair. That. That's fair. Uh, because yeah, it's like an uncharted territory. Uh, everybody's getting into it. Everybody's uh, adapting right. to the situations, and things will change. Obviously, so we're not gonna, you know, uh, ask you, "Hey, you said so. You said so. no. We're not." Um, and somebody sh- should not. Um, we are trying to help here. Um, now, how, how do you think your service? Uh, is different than if there is any other service available um, as of now. Is that great? Great. Question. Yeah, yeah. That's I think one of the most important questions is um, how are we different and how how what kind of uh, value propositions we provide? Look in the short term, uh, video conferencing may be a cool feature and people are you know they can they can Skype or they can uh, FaceTime or they can use Zoom. Um, video conferencing is a very simple feature and a lot of these pop-ups uh, are corporations who are taking these third-party video conferencing features and then repackaging and relabeling yeah. them as yeah. a dentistry yeah. uh, or doing chats. You know, Chatting is something that is very simple to do with a very, very simple, easy, cheap uh, API. I have a uh, in-house team of developers. My co-founder was an actual technology expert. So we have a team of in-house developers who've been working for us for for years now, um, creating Mm -hmm. solutions that are going to persist long after the coronavirus is gone. Um, These these features of being able to uh, geotag the the locations, being able to utilize some of these intraoral cameras, um, being able to record the conversations and export them to an EMR system, uh, being able to uh, do electronic prescriptions on directly on the app, widgets that we can place on your on your uh, website Websites. so that people on your website can directly uh, make an appointment with you. Um, the the ability to communicate, but the, but the the biggest differentiating factor for us is like everything is in-house, right? Okay. So everything is in-house. So we have our own software development team. So we have control of the features that we want. So we can mm-hmm. add tons of uh, value propositions. Uh, and that's what we actually did. This is why we are going to persist um, and continue to – now that we have captured people's attentions, we've waived all our fees, can come and join our platform for free, and they can get a taste of – all these cool features that we're going to be um, rolling out over the next couple of weeks. So we, we actually had implemented all these features, but we did not want to inc- incur the costs until we had enough providers. But now that we have 
I mean, we're talking to some companies about onboarding 100,000 of their providers. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Just 100,000 mm-hmm. dentists all of a sudden using this. And so it justifies, it warrants us now paying these third parties for uh, for their APS. So now, you know, they're, they're going to see how valuable it is. They can do marketing. They can uh, write electronic prescriptions. They can send their patients post-ops. They can use our cameras. Um, so now I think uh, once this coronavirus um, ordeal goes away, people are going to start utilizing these technologies for things that we didn't even think about. And they're going to give us feedback. And because we have an in-house team of developers and we're not dependent on other people's APIs and restricted, uh, we can actually create uh, tons of new features over the next uh, months and years. And, And now the big boys are paying attention too and they're realizing, wow, this is like, this is powerful stuff. Correct. We we can sign up people for medical. You know, we have insurance companies who are talking to us now because they can actually bring new members. They can sign up new members who are, who are looking for insurance and payment plans. Uh, We're talking to a major payment plan company who uh, wants to, you know, approve payment plans. Imagine now you get a referral from someone who has already been approved, pre-approved coming into your office. Like, yeah. So these, are some of the value propositions that go way beyond just video conferencing for us, and that's why we feel like uh, we're we're really happy. There was a silver lining, I think, not only for us but for dentistry in this chaotic times. Sure. Now, uh, how do you think um, uh, a dentist should actually implement tele dentistry in the in his or her office? Because usually the offices are open from I don't know, depending on the offices, from eight to eight to five, uh, six, eight to seven, uh, depending on which office you look at. Um, nine to six, usually eight to five, whatever. Um, would that be applicable after hours, like after five p.m. or six p.m. when they close? Is that what you're trying to uh, for the dentist to, or or when they close over the weekends? I think that. Uh just like an Uber driver has a uh, the power to drive whenever he or she, you know, feels like, feels yeah, would make a little bit more money or um, depends, you know, for larger companies, like you said, you have multiple offices, you can assign one person to take all emergency calls for you 24 hours a day, right. you can literally someone to triage these people. Um, and, and then be able to funnel them into your office and so can large GSOs and, and a private practice, an associate, for example, uh, can maybe take calls, you know, on the drive home and, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, in the afternoon and someone can do it on the weekends. And, uh, there's so, so much power. It's like saying, mm-hmm. how can you use electricity? Well, you can turn on light bulbs and you can generate, you know, <laughs> just, that's the way I look at it is like, sure so many cool things that you can do. You can actually use this to provide, uh, to keep your office late, open late, right? So the dentist can leave, the staff can be there, uh, the hygienist can still stay there. Yeah. Um, and now you ha- they're under your general supervision. And so, you know, there's so many different potential uh, applications that- of this. Applications. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think that's a good idea. So somebody who's got uh, multiple offices and let's say there are five offices, office one, two, three, four, five, and there's there are five big providers, provider one, two, three, four, five again, uh, let's say all dentists, and provider one wants to take care of responsibility on Monday, let's say, for all the five offices, right? Um, 
since it's geotagged, if my patient is calling from Office 5 location, uh, even though it's in the same state, um, and all the calls would be actually transferred to the nearest office where the patient is calling from. Am I right? Um, right. And, and in that regard, I Office 1 and Provider 1 uh, could be too far away for, uh, for that. It might not work out as profitable for five offices uh, to do one person at a time. Am I making sense here? So, so if if you're, uh, someone is making a call and they decide to pick a group, right? Okay. Rather than individual, because we have we have the options for them to pick a, a, a type of a group rather okay. than okay. Just- now that makes sense. Yeah. Then at that point they can you know they can uh, be funneled into whatever whatever participating uh, office in that area. Hmm. But a particular individual, yeah, it'll be geotagged because we want someone to be able to actually see the patient. See the patient. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. It's It has to be uh, patient-friendly too. Uh, that does make sense. Now, uh, what is the cost involved uh, once, I mean, I know everything is free for now. Uh, you've been generous enough not to charge anybody, uh, at least the dentist right now. Uh, what do you think uh, would be the final charges when everything, this ordeal is over uh, for the patients and or uh, for the dentists who are participating in Dentulo? We usually have a, uh, we usually have a setup fee, um, which we've waived right now. Um, we, our setup fee is uh, $250 usually. We try to keep the cost down and we, we were charging $150 per month, 149 per month. And and there are additional a la carte features that they can uh, implement if they want, um, like being able to send and receive DICOM files to be able to have um, integration with their EMR system and uh, electronic prescriptions. When we have to incur an additional cost, uh, you know, from a third party, then, you know, obviously they would just pay for those services. But generally for 90% of our services, it's a, it's a, you know, SaaS model, they, they pay a membership fee every single month. And, and then that subscription fee basically would hopefully be paid within, you know, if you, if you realize that, uh, that the patient acquisition cost of most offices is about 200, $250, yeah. you know, two patients into it and you're, you're already uh, making prompt. money out of it. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you have these other benefits. Okay. Now, uh, what's the cost for the patient? Well, it depends, you know, so uh, the cost is going to be, so for emergencies, uh, there was a set fee, um, and we, we've tested between, you know, $50, and we've actually tested uh, several hundred dollars before, and, and people were willing to pay that, but I think I think right now, um, we, we're, we're going to have a set fee, uh, probably about $100 for the emergencies. Okay. And then, yeah. okay. and if they have an insurance and, you know, the insurances will be covered and then you can, they can be filtered to see specific doctors based on, you know, their, their accepting of that insurance or not. But then for the actual consults, you can charge whatever you want. Hmm. So if it's not something that's a billable procedure, you can charge whatever you want for a, a informal consultation. So if you want to give a second opinion, if you want to, uh, you know, you're a Beverly Hills doctor, celebrity dentist, and you want to charge five hundred dollars for your for your time you can and if you want to do it free and give up your time and hopefully get more patients to bring into your office then you can also do that so you'll you'll determine what that is not us got it got it okay that makes sense hmm. 
Uh, all right. So, what are the other add-ons that you are hoping uh, and have already almost implemented um, at Antulu right now? I think that uh, I think that our and, and my comfort level, and because this is so early, and because all of a sudden we have all these pop-ups trying to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> present themselves as uh, as teledentistry companies i think that that's that those are the most most of the things that I, i'm comfortable saying we do have definitely four or five different things that um i haven't mentioned and the reason why is because we're working with uh under nda with some uh, uh potential partners in providing some applications uh with our technology so things that serve you know, maybe implant companies or ortho companies or supply companies or insurance companies. So there, you're going to see different features based on uh, that, the, the, the molding of this technology based yeah. on the particular applications necessary. But, um, but I will tell you this. Um, I will tell you that not only are patients going to have increased access to care, I will tell you that uh, – patients will now be able to experience more preventative care rather than restorative care. Uh, doctors will have flexibility in their hours, generate more money, be able to expand the functions of their mid-level practitioners by putting them under general supervision. So now having a hygienist go out on your behalf from your office and perform maybe on-site work uh, for a local business or school, you'll generate more patients from elementary schools and doctors and urgent care centers and and hospitals by by deploying these cameras to these local areas and now funneling patients from them, um, and and you'll be able to communicate better with within your profession. So if you have general dentists who have travel periodontists or travel oral surgeons, you'll be able to get case acceptances quicker. You can have these Zoom-type meetings with, with the different specialists all on one platform. So we have a full web platform. So mm-hmm. this is not just like some app. You can go on our website and actually have these conversations, just like you're having Zoom, share information, yeah. get approvals. So so it's a it's a whole new world, and, uh, and I think – as a result of the economic impact this is going to have on not only our patients but our our profession, I think that a lot of these features are going to be even more readily uh, available and utilized um, because they're they're going to be a little bit more cost-efficient for everyone. Got it. Uh, Thank you for your time. Uh, I don't know if you have any words, any any advice, any, any suggestions for anything uh, for our patients, for our audience, for Dennis, whoever, please. I think I think uh, you know every circumstance is gonna is uh, whether good or bad is gonna present new opportunities. Uh, and and right now we have to look at the silver lining and and try to figure out what this uh, current circumstance, what doors it has opened up, um, and how how we can best utilize our time. And if this, if this time we, we are forced to stay home, we can't go to the office, um, <laughs> why not learn about this technology and why not learn about uh, how to generate new patients and how to maintain continuity of care and how to implement technology a little bit better and educate ourselves? Because before we didn't have time, right? Time yeah, is what yeah. was a huge yeah. issue. But now that we have time, 
Um, let's also take a proactive approach and protect our patients and our staff and ourselves and not expose ourselves unnecessarily. You know, I'm, I'm, we're all stuck in, in our homes cause we're on a lockdown. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. and if a patient calls me and says I have an emergency and I put myself at risk and go all the way down to the office and realize it's a little gingivitis, um, or it's a broken bracket or chipped, chipped tooth. Um, I think, uh, I think I'd be upset. So now I can utilize this free service. Um, get familiarized with it and start utilizing our um, ingenuity and, and our thoughts about how we can implement this better and oh. and oh. and hopefully hopefully we add some value in the short term for you guys as far as the coronavirus and long term should you uh, decide that this is something that you want to continue to utilize so I suggest that people go to um, their app store or the Android and download this on their on their telephones uh, go to our website at dentulu.com. Or you can go on YouTube and watch some of our videos. And our focus and energy has been on providing good uh, technology. And now that now we can focus a little bit more on user interface and making it pretty and making it, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit more and tweaking it and getting feedback from our providers because, you know, technology is ongoing. Uh, and and just Uber has changed their logo I think like three or four times since it oh. first came out, and we're yeah. constantly seeing. Yeah version 1, 1 1.2, 1.3. And so expect the same thing. And uh, as this, as this entire field develops, and uh, as this technology develops, I think we're going to look back at this in in five years and and wonder how we ever, uh, how we ever did dentistry before. So yeah, yeah. yeah, All right, this this podcast is uh, is inspired by Tim Ferriss. I love his podcast. Uh, And so he has some of the questions which I have compiled over over the years, I've listened to all his podcasts pretty much. So I've compiled mm-hmm. a few of the questions which I love to ask my uh, my guests like you. So let's start with the your morning ritual. Yeah, uh, actually I do. I, I wake up in the morning. I generally try not to touch my phone for the first hour waking up. Okay. So um, instead of being more reactive uh, and, and responding to emails and texts, I, I try to kind of plan and strategize what I want to do uh, and be a little bit more proactive about getting things that I want done. So uh, that includes just basically going over uh, what my what my daily tasks are. Um, I, I get up, I usually have some warm water and uh, and some lemon or some tea in the morning. Yeah, yeah, me too. Recommended to me by, by so many people. <laughs> so yeah. it just flushed my them out in the morning with some water and uh and lemons warm water and lemons um i i also brush my teeth with my left hand uh with my opposite of my working hand oh okay uh <laughs> and, I, and i don't want to go into the reasoning why but yeah you guys can research about about why that kind of helps uh and okay. and yeah that's about it i do a little bit of stretching and exercising and i generally try not to eat in the morning i'm i'm uh i'm big on Inter, uh, intermittent fasting and uh, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in bulletproof coffee so I start my morning off with some coffee some ghee butter yeah uh, some coconut oil and ready to go yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot about this bulletproof coffee but uh, for some for people who don't know uh, why don't you tell a little in detail what works what goes into it yeah, I just basically have my my coffee black and uh, don't don't put a lot of creamers, sugars, nothing like that. Just some uh, a special oil uh, and ghee butter, 
and basically on the the, the type of uh, fatty chain glycerides provides a lot of uh, energy without necessarily requiring that sugar intake in the morning and usually it, it keeps me nice and uh, full until about 1 2 p.m uh and it really actually just helps clear my mind provides tons of energy for me and uh saves me a lot of time in the morning not not having to uh mm. cook breakfast and and go through with having a heavy meal early in the morning mm. i tried i tried that uh, bulletproof coffee but you know the taste doesn't really gel into uh it takes me a while <laughs> it took me a while to get even a little bit of uh, coconut oil into it i i i couldn't do it uh i think do you think it's uh, a specific kind of a ghee or butter oil that you need to put in or it's just an acquired taste so- i think initially i used to i used to love to put tons of sugar and uh and milk <laughs> and all types of stuff in my in my coffee but yeah i think over a while i i really enjoy it now just uh just black and uh, the ghee butter actually has a distinct taste which i i've grown to like yeah, okay. uh, i've also put some, sometimes i put a little bit of some pollen in there bee pollen and uh yeah i kind of mess around sometimes with different things but generally just a <laughs> the coconut oil and a little bit of ghee butter is that's all i need uh cool that's interesting uh, intermediate fasting matthew sandridge dr matthew sandridge um i have invited him for the interview he knows a hell of a lot about that so if he comes up uh, maybe i'll i'll let you know when that podcast comes up um you might be interested in that that's great yeah um all right next question the best purchase that you made between 100 to 300 dollars that impacted your life in a positive way the best purchase between 100 and 300 dollars yeah. um I would probably say well, that's a good one. You know, I'd probably say my Muse. So there's a there's a product that I bought called a Muse, and uh, you I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it helps guide your meditations and focus your your attention. So uh, I, I purchased I purchased that product, and and you know, uh, once in a while I I try to do it more often than not every day, but Generally, I, I'll put this on my head. It actually helps read your brain waves and allows you to focus your uh, your attention for short periods of time. And so, I think that's pretty. That's been a pretty good buy between a uh, hundred and three hundred. I think yeah. that's something I use regularly. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, not many people actually know about me. I also love this. See this, uh, this cup here. It's called the Ember Cup. Yeah. Yep. I know. So <laughs> it keeps my <laughs> keeps my drink exactly at the temperature I like, and uh, it's uh, completely wireless, and I connect it with my USB. So I'm a I'm a CEO of a technology company. I like techie stuff, so I got, yeah. I got a lot of toys. To yeah, play yeah. With. A little a little experience about your Muse. Uh, how how did you like it? I mean, do you use it every day uh, or every? I try. Days? I, I, use, I use it. Yeah, I use it about four or five times a week for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, do you think it has really guided you and you think your meditation practice has improved because of Muse? You think? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, I can get into that state of mind quicker and, and it really kind of uh, allows you to practice and practice makes perfect. So uh, it, it kind of helps initially with honing in your focus and attention. So I think it's been tremendously helpful. Great. So uh, how long have you been using Muse here? 
approximately how long did uh, you say about two years Oh, two years uh, now. Two years. Yeah. When did you, uh, if you remember, I'm really interested because I wanted to buy, I, I, I only read it online, but I wanted some real person like you who has actually used it. Uh, how much time it took you to start getting into the flow of meditation uh, faster by using Muse? Like how much time it took you to get there when you started using it two years I'd ago? Say about a, I'd say about a couple of months. Yeah, two, three months. Okay. When okay. I just noticed that it was just a lot easier, quicker. Uh, so yeah, I think depends on depends on how many times you use it. You can use it a couple of times out of the day. But I was using it in my dental office. Um, I think that was a a really instrumental part in just keeping myself uh, giving myself that little break. Another product actually that I really like um, is Newcom. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Newcom. Mm-hmm. But I saw them. I met them at CES a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they have they have a, a they have a unique app and uh, and also some some creams and some uh, electrodes that you can put on yourself. But it taps into your parasympathetic system, helps you to kind of go away uh, for about twenty minutes and just and just really uh, relax. And and I it was interesting. The first time I tried that, I was in the middle of a huge huge electronics consumer show it was mm. so noisy it was it was packed with thousands of people everywhere and somehow they managed to put me to sleep in uh probably less than a minute and i'm not really sure what happened but i was gone for 20 minutes and came out thinking uh i felt like i, I had hours of sleep so i use that at, at the office too sometimes in between patients if i have a quick 20 minute you know i i um i utilize that in my office and it's worked out really well for me those little short short, quick getaways, nice, mental nice. and physical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Now, what is it? Uh, how would you spell that again? Uh, Newcom, N-U-C-A-M. Oh, I think I read it about it years ago, a couple of years ago. Right, right. But I never heard anybody using it. I only read it. Oh, good, good. So, uh, yeah, we, you can use it on your patients as well, actually. Your patients uh, really love it as well. A little bit expensive, uh, but I think it's well worth the price, especially if you have a, you know, I, I use it in my Beverly Hills practice and my patients, uh, mm. they love it. And actually I've had patients call me requesting, uh, I've, I've, I even had a patient call me, uh, not a, not my patient, ask me if I don't mind that they come in just to use the new com. They weren't <laughs> interested in it. In any dental work. Um, I declined the offer, even though they were willing to pay for it, but uh, it, it was actually interesting. So it's something you guys might want to check out. You come. All right. So uh, initially we had not, not even one product. Now you've got three. Oh, great. All right. Uh, so you talked about the meditation. Um, I want to touch that a little bit on that topic too. It's a, it's a tough topic. And I, I believe, especially in this coronavirus and other, you know, stressful situations of dentistry in, in total. Um, what is your practice uh, of meditation? Do you do a guided meditation? Do you do um, just just sit and listen to Muse and you know relax with Muse or breathe and you know, how do you do it? Yeah, I'm 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 more of a fan of guided imagery, uh, and 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 I think that's really something uh, that stuck with me. I when I was at UCLA, it was actually a. a, a a unique story. When I was at UCLA, I had, I was, uh, I had finished all my requirements. It was the last semester. Yeah. And, um, 
and I and I, I at the time I had a 4.0 I had a 4.0 GPA and an A in every class never got anything lower than an A and uh, and so I was so proud of my 4.0 GPA uh, especially UCLA it was a tremendously hard place to get a 4.0 and I took this one class that helps you deal with stress I figured I'm about to go to dental school I'm gonna learn about stress uh, I, I should be able to handle it well and I took this really easy class that everyone's supposed to get A's on and um, Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. I took this class and the class was teaching us guided imagery and, and different re- relaxation techniques and stress management. And so this was my favorite thing to do. I, I, I took the, I took these tapes that they used to give us. And we, so you would basically turn it on and it talks you through certain scenarios. And it tells you, I remember there was one where I would get into an elevator and it would go lower and lower and lower into a deeper floor and then the elevator would open and I would be on a beach and it would describe the beach and describe the sounds and the smells. And it was the most pleasant experience. And it, it, it really helped me get into uh, that train of thought and that, that, that good place. And, uh, and, I, and I really am a huge advocate of it. What burns me is that I got a B plus in that class and completely ruined my, <laughs> my entire GPA that I had worked so hard. I could have graduated with a 4.0. Uh, and so to this day, I still have a, a great appreciation for what I learned in that class and uh, great regrets in not uh, disputing that grade and trying to get it changed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so long time after. Well, I th- right. I think it made us, uh, <laughs> made you uh, humble at that. <laughs> I'm not saying that you are not, but at least with because of that <laughs> situation. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. I, 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 Two other things uh, that we were all we were all in competition. Uh, it's who gets the best grades, uh, and so it, at the time, uh, I figured at the time I had already gone into dental school. It didn't matter, but um, now in retrospect, I wish I, I just for bragging rights, I could have uh, I should have disputed that grade. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> we're way beyond that. Yeah, no, but yes, yeah, so there are certain little, certain little things you know oh, that kind of reminds us over and over. I wish I would have done that. Well, okay. Uh, on the similar note, uh, there's another question on a very similar note. Um, give me a second. It's a good one. If you could go back in your career or life and change one decision, what would it be? So if you could go back in your career or life and change one decision, what could that be? Certainly not this grade. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there, there, there's some decisions I would definitely have changed. Uh, some, some I may not want to share publicly. Sure, but, sure. But I'll tell you one decision that uh, would have completely changed my, uh, changed my world. So I, I was very actively involved in uh, – I, I like to be outside the box. If you can't tell, I kind of like I, – I look at every option. Mm. And I look, at, uh, I look at everything that's going on around me. I was, and I remember graduating, and I was very uh, interested in – communications and one of the things that that piqued my interest was bitcoins and i'm talking about over 10 years ago yeah and i remember reading about the dark web and and you know and how people were exchanging exchanging money and it was just something of interest to me yeah and and i remember i was vividly remember the day i was sitting behind my computer uh this is when nobody knew about bitcoins this is when bitcoin was probably a couple of dollars per bitcoin and i remember i remember in between patients, I was trying to buy Bitcoins and I Googled uh, 
uh, how to buy bitcoins. Mm. And the first thing that came to uh, the first post that came up was this caricature of this this guy uh, in a hot in a in like a dark alley trying to buy bitcoins like someone would be drawing you know oh, yeah. from like a drug dealer like a drug you dealer know, like this uh, <laughs> you know conspicuous bitcoin dealer in a dark alley and. And I was, you know, I was immediately turned off by it. And, and, and then, you know, they called me back into a room and I was like, oh, if this is what you have to do to get Bitcoins, this seems a little dark and shady. shady yeah. You know, I don't want to ruin my <laughs> reputation doing anything illegal. And so I didn't, I did, I didn't, I would have easily put a couple thousand dollars into it. Uh, and had I done so, uh, probably would be talk, talking to you from my yacht right now. And, yeah. Uh, millions <laughs> and millions of dollars. But, yeah. Um, yeah, when it, when it went up like that, I realized uh, I, sh- I should have probably uh, I should have probably gone a little bit further. But I, but I'll, I'll give you a better answer as to what I what I would share now. Please do. And one one of my another example I think of, of something that is applicable to to maybe your audience is um uh, you know I've always I've always uh, I've always been very um, I don't want to say opinionated, but I, I was quick to, if I had a position, I was quick to make my position known. Okay. Um, and I, I remember, I remember um, maybe about 10, 15 years ago, we had a, we had a, a businessman, uh, a prominent businessman who was at, at my parents' home mm. and we were just talking and, uh, you know, my father, brother, everyone's in sister, mother, everyone's in the medical field. Um, and so this guy was telling us about potential future applications of uh, the marijuana industry right. and about how potentially components of hemp CBD would potentially be very helpful. And this is years ago. Okay. And uh, as, a, as a young, I was in, I think I was in high school, maybe couple of or maybe my first years of college mm. and i cut him off abruptly and i said sir uh we're a family of doctors we are not going to be peddling <laughs> marijuana <laughs> this is not what we're this is not what my family is about and uh and i learned a lot from that lesson and and, and i try to take that application and, and and my mom told me later she said son uh, god gave you two ears and one mouth right so you should you should listen twice as much as you speak uh-huh. And uh, and I and I wish I had. I wish there was a lot of opportunities uh, that, or a lot of uh, situations where I should have probably just patiently uh, waited and listened more than I spoke, and allowed the other person to speak and and hear their um, their point, and and then evaluate that at a later time. So I've learned, uh, yeah. I think, now to to listen more than I speak. Hopefully, well. Yeah, that's a. I think um, all these um, idioms and everything. There's a reason they are there. Uh, we all young people uh, don't listen, and nobody does. You know, I think. But I think this is how. This is what the experience of life also is. You know, if we follow everything what's being taught to us, then we don't fall, and if we don't fall, we don't learn. Uh, but not always. Not everything. I think this is a process of life. So. Uh, I think we are fine. You're still you're still successful in your own ways. Uh, I would say that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think these are those are really uh, deep ones. <laughs> um, now, did you read any books or listen to any podcasts in your busy schedule or whatnot? 
I do. I, uh, I, I like to, I like to read, um, I'm very interested. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of YouTube actually. Okay. So, uh, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy, uh, watching YouTube and I, I definitely do listen to some podcasts. Um, especially when I'm driving, I, I used to listen to radio and I no longer do that. Yeah. I try to fill, fill myself with information, but a lot of audio books, you know, I think audiobooks are probably some of my favorites. Um, but I'm, I'm also a big fan of YouTube and I, uh, I, I use it a lot for educational purposes. And I think this is the, one of the greatest times uh, in the history of mankind where freedom of information is, you know, so, so available. And, uh, and so you can, you can immediately connect with people on any given subject uh, I hear around you. the world. Now, um, now what I'm trying to uh, also ask is, uh, there is, I think the problem at uh, problem these days is not. Are you there? Yeah, the problem these days is not yeah. um, um, whether we can, uh, whether the information is available or not, uh, but the problem is what information to digest, uh, what information to spend time on. How do you decide that? You know, what YouTube videos you want to watch because or what topics do you want to research about? I mean, if it's certainly about Dentulu or your dentistry or technology, it's a, it's your passion probably. So you can go in thousand different directions, but how do you, how do you figure out which one uh, to focus on, where to focus on next and uh, for your life or uh, how to choose between the goods and the bads? I think I think that uh, you should. I, I, me personally, I like to kind of hear different sides, and I like to hear different uh, and opposing views. Um, and so, I purposely look for opposing arguments sometimes, depending on the specifics. So, I'll I'll, I'll literally search the you know the the contra uh, argument to any any particular point. So I, I like to kind of let the leaders and whoever uh, is mm. speaking on that res- respective subject discuss it, and then and then I kind of move back. Okay. Um, and I also I also like to search by date, and I do filters by date rather than allowing mm. YouTube to decide who they should show me. I like to look things up to date. So I usually do searches within the last twenty four to forty eight hours. Um, but you know, I, I have my specific people that I like to, like to listen to. And, um, so yeah, you, after a while you get to pick yeah. your favorite people and, and listen right. to them. So, uh, uh, any specific people you can share the names about or any audio books you can, or podcasts that you listen to regularly that you can share to the audience. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, Ray Dalio. He's, uh, yeah. principles he is the co-founder. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. It's probably one of the one of the smartest men I've ever met in my entire life. I yeah. actually had the pleasure of meeting him one time oh, and uh, just listening to him. He, that man is just something else, and uh, he's been around so many successful people. So I, I like I like Ray a lot, 
And then I like wacky guys like uh, who can I tell you? Like Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> I've liked him since uh, since, I, since I graduated uh, high school. I've listened to him. He's very elementary, but you know he's so raw, and uh, I appreciate listening to him. And I yeah, I listen to. Um, I told you Tony Robbins is probably yeah. another guy yeah. uh, that I really enjoy me too. But I think just positive stuff and just, uh, mm. just things that will keep me upbeat and, 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 uh, and motivated. Yeah. Sometimes when I want to be get pumped up, right. Like personally, like I feel like I, you know what, I got to go ahead and achieve the word and do the right thing. And, you know, then I like to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, uh, he is, Yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> that he just he'll just pump you up like let's go and do it right now, you know, that kind of scenario. That that's how he pushes you. And I and he he talks very natural. Right. So, you know, uh so I like him personally. Uh I of course everybody knows Tony Robbins. Oh, great. Great. Thank you. So, uh right. did you have any did you have any specific books that you love? Uh any specific book that has impacted you the the most or you've gifted the most um i do I, yeah i do i think uh i think robert green is probably one of the most interesting writers that i've read i've read a, you know a lot of books but i've read some um i think the art of seduction is probably one of my one of my uh favorite books by him what get uh, laws of power Yeah, yeah, he he also wrote. I thought that was a phenomenal book as well. Beautiful book. Um, yeah. very NLP oriented, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. Just very interesting point of view. Um, but but I think uh, just classics. Uh, How to think big and grow rich, Napoleon. Um, and yeah, I think there's 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 depending on what your particular interest is. Uh, for me. I'm more of I like to look at history, look at things that have occurred in the past and 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 see if I can kind of mentor or, or, or utilize some of these uh yeah. previously successful people to kind of learn from their mistakes and uh and and see if I can hopefully, you know, emulate some of their successes as well. Yeah, great. No, that's that's great. Um so on a similar note, uh Do you have a mentor or did you did you have a mentor while you're growing up or you were in the school or in the dental school college um that has impacted you uh th- that you learned the most from Yeah but but someone very unlikely actually has been a huge mentor to me um mm-hmm. actually someone that I hired as a, initially as an office manager Okay. Uh, and, and she's, she's my co, she's my, uh, my partner in, in my, um, in my tech startup. Uh, Mary Gonzalez has been, uh, not only a good friend to me, but I think she, she showed me a lot of life lessons, um, about what's really important in life. And so she, I think she's been not only a good friend, but a mentor to me and her family and I are, uh, her, her, husband kids all wonderful so i an unlikely person uh you know i i never expected to learn someone so much from someone she and she had been um a an office manager and and consultant to some of the some of the most successful dentists in Beverly Hills and uh, in the United States and so i was very lucky and fortunate to have uh 
to have crossed paths with her. On a on an indirect note, I've tried to emulate several different um, clinicians. I think for me, I I was always I was always at odd uh, at Dr. Bill Dorfman. I never really never really uh, was mentored by him directly, but I was I remember enjoying the watching him change dentistry and in, you know, he's hated by many and liked by some. Um, but I personally saw the impact that he had, uh, in, in cosmetic dentistry, yeah. uh, and, in working to create zoom, you know, the zoom lights. And I liked that he, you know, the, how he got involved on the business side of discus dental. I saw what he did with the celebrity makeovers and I just, I just remember seeing how he brought that, the makeovers, the whitening, and then the extreme makeovers to last year. They uh, were chosen as part of this, you know, top 100 dentists in the world. And some of these guys are, uh, that, that I was chosen with were, were the guys who really made massive change. And, and some living legends, Dr. Roger Sohn, uh, Dr. Jin Kim, and some of these guys who really stepped outside of their immediate practice and um, – Mm-hmm. and really impacted the entire profession. And so I think I took a little bit in peace from each one of those guys uh, as I had a chance to get to know them or, or, or watch them as they did the work their magic. So yeah. I think it was a combination. Of, yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a mix of all these people, and that those are all interesting people you know, in their own ways. All right. Uh, so what's one of the hardest decisions you had to make over the past one year? Or two years? <laughs> you know, uh, for me, uh, I, I, I think just staying in Los Angeles uh, and, and, and uh, deciding to, to maintain uh, my place of residence here in Los Angeles was probably a pretty tough decision. Uh, my, my entire being, my, uh, my brain, my emotions, everything says, get out. This is not the place you want to be. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not such a big city guy. I like to maybe get away from all the traffic and pollution and, yeah. uh, just the hustle and bustle. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I have my family here and my, my businesses and, and I made a decision to, to stay here at least for the next uh, couple of years. And, and so that was, that was kind of a big decision for me. I was, I was, uh, anxious to get out <laughs> and go somewhere yeah. a little, uh, a little bit slower and calmer. But where would you like, we are. where would you like to go? You know, if you have to, if you get a chance to leave. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I was always looking, uh, I'm not really sure how, uh, where it's a little bit more land um, and a little bit more freedom and not, not so much traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes um, uh, LA traffic and that's why probably Musk is, you know, trying to do whatever he's trying to do. Um, and that's in uh, LA. So do you want to, and do you want to do somewhere in up north? Uh, any any specific state uh, <laughs> uh, that you like specifically? Yeah, I, I, I was actually looking in. Uh, my, you know, I, I don't know. We we, we haven't uh, we haven't yeah. made a decision, but That's I was okay. looking somewhere uh, around like maybe bodies of water, somewhere where you can have uh, uh-huh. you know some 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 more acreage than uh, than. <laughs> Just you know, your plot of land in, in, in the mix. Even in Beverly Hills, I I, uh, I was I'm I'm kind of in the middle of so many different houses, and I and for me, I think long term, 
I prefer to be uh, outside the hustle and bustle and, and be in a place where you can, you know, uh, yeah. you can have your dogs go outside and play <laughs> in, in the backyard and children and uh, yeah. maybe have some uh, some orange trees and lemon trees and not have to worry about, uh, you know, parking your car outside and getting a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Um, so if you have a giant billboard such that you could display a great message or a quote for everyone to follow, of course, not about your company or your podcast, what would you like to tell people or the dental word? Do your best, forget the rest. It's my one of my favorite quotes. Okay. Do your best and leave the rest. Forget the rest. Yeah. You know, you can only do what you can do and some things are out of your control. So just, uh, you know, just do your best and that's all you can do. And everything outside of your power is, uh, outside of your power. So there's no point in worrying about it. Just, uh, just be happy that you did your best. You left everything on the table and, and just yeah. keep moving. Hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, I'm sure, uh, you would have tried, the same quote uh, personally in your life. Uh, how did you manage when you couldn't get what you really wanted to get? Uh, how did how what was your uh, inner dialogue, if I may ask? Uh, for example, you decided to read something. Uh, you did your best, but you didn't get what you wanted to. So, what was your inner dialogue to calm yourself down at that stage? You know, one of the th things I, uh, I I learned from from uh, Mary, and it's probably one of the most important things that that, that kind of helped me uh, be able to to make decisions. Most yeah. of the decisions that we make, uh, it it's it comes down to you know the, the, our our fears, right? Our fears of maybe losing, and uh, so losing maybe money, for example. Like, oh, if I make this decision, if I take this, I, I may lose a lot of money. And yeah. so when I I lost that. That, that fear she's always says like it's only money like uh, don't worry we make more money don't worry just do what you have to do don't worry about the financial side it's just money and so I think that that was kind of a, a helpful thing I, I had in the back of my mind hmm. so I, I always we all joked around we're like we, you know we may lose everything we have to start all over again in a in, in a garage uh, somewhere yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so you know yeah it was, uh, it was I didn't let that fear um, dictate, you know, and, and, but at the same time, you know, uh, at the same time, I understand people who have, uh, you know, kids and are married have a, a, a different set of responsibilities that they have to take into account. And, uh, and for me, uh, I'm not married and don't have kids yet, so <laughs> I can take a little bit more risky move early yeah. on. But I think that was it. I just, just do it, you know? Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? You know, it, I, it's all materialistic. I, I, I didn't want to live in regrets. I like it. I like it. I love that. Um, all right. So what do people never ask you that you wish they did? I know it's a tricky one. So what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Basically, it's asking, what are you really so good at? But people never ask you about it. They're only talking about whatever they know about you. Something they don't know about you and, you know, what you're really good at, essentially. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, I'm not sure if this is the, the answer to your question, but I think some people just see the results and not the, 
not the pain and uh, the suffering and and the you know the sleepless nights and the sacrifices. Uh, they just see the the, the actual results and and um, mm. and so I, I I wish people took a little bit more account into the sacrifices that's necessary, right? So some of the things that I've been able to achieve, I've been able to achieve maybe working longer hours, uh, working longer days, or being being in a position where I took more risks or um, there's definitely a give and take with everything. So I think, you know, (laughs) I remember I was at a, I was at a buddy's office and um, so my, my friend invited, he's a dentist. He said, you know, there's a dentist. He says he knows you and, um, and he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to talk to you and get your advice. Can you come to the office and, you know, let's have some coffee and talk to him. Hmm. And, and so it, it, I remember just having this this discussion with the guy. I, I met him. I actually knew him from high school. Uh, just just uh, ended up seeing him after many years. And so his questions were like, um, he was at, he he was just kind of frustrated with where his office was, and the questions were more like. Why do why am I why don't I have this and why am I not in this position rather yeah. than you know you know what what did you do or how can I get this or uh, what can I do to do the same thing and so sometimes the the questions that we ask uh, are are indicative of uh, what we're how we're thinking you know yep. so questions are very important for me and how and 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 what questions you ask are very important and i'll tell you an example here if you wake up in the morning and something bad happens to you right so there there are certain implications with the kind of questions so if you ask yourself why is this always happening to me right why do bad things always happen to me why am i always unlucky (laughs) you know you're actually teaching your brain to look for answers as if that's actually a reality you you're implying that bad things always happen to you and that Mm. if you're saying you know you know, it's just, why am why am I always unlucky? You're 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 implying that you are always unlucky. Yeah. And so I, I, I learned to rewire and to ask questions that imply positivity. You know. And so I think uh, questions are very important. And so a lot of people have a tendency to ask questions with implications of uh, things that are negative. And so I, I think when when talking about questions, um, I would always set up why why are we going to succeed? Yeah. Uh, why, why am I, or how am I going to make this happen? You know? Right, right, right. Uh, I'm glad you talk about this. Um, I listened to a podcast, uh, uh, by Dex Shepard. Um, he's a celebrity. Uh, his podcast name is Armchair Expert. And, um, I listened to one of his podcasts, uh, really nice, uh, podcast called, uh, with the name, uh, Tom Silver, T-O-M, Tom Silver. It was released on 19th of March and um, beautiful podcast. Uh, basic idea was that, as you said, rewiring, um, you know, uh, him being Tom Silver himself being uh, a, a hypnot- hypnotherapist, he actually on the podcast itself, Monica, who's the co-host of Dex Shepherd, uh, he actually hypnotized her on the podcast itself. And he was trying to change and rewire, as you said, you know, uh, on a very similar note, what you just said, uh, that if you start saying negative things about yourself and whatnot, 
your brain starts to wire that, that that is the wrong thing. Uh, the wrong things get wired rather than you should say everything positive such that the right things and self-consciously you are taking the right decisions. Am I making sense here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, somebody... I totally agree. I think, uh, I think that... Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I, I agree with you completely. I think the questions you ask yourself are going to dictate uh, what answers your brain should look for. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think perspective is everything. And so you have to set your brain up for success uh, to look for the right answers and not for the negative ones. So I, I try to, I try to reframe my questions uh, in, yeah. in a way to kind of uh, to find the answers that I'm looking for and, and hopefully in a positive fashion, not, so not towards how, negative answers. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I can, I can pick your brain a little more here. So the same friend who asked you that question, uh, how would you think if you were in his place that you would ask? How would change? How would you change that particular questions he was asking, if it was you in his place? I think. I think. Uh, so. So. You know the way I, I was. I was hoping to be able to help, and I've, I've consulted a lot of dentists and, and dental offices in my career. Um, I I want to be able to assess where you are, where you are in your life, what what type of risks you can take. Mm-hmm. At this point in your life, you know, if you're 22, you're going to take different risks than if you're 52. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, for, for various different reasons. But I was hoping to have a discussion on uh, what can I do at this point and what have you learned uh, mm. to be able to give me, you know, the advice as so I don't have to make as many mistakes. You know, some people have the, um, I have to try everything myself and learn it myself mentality, right? And so I've had this this idea where this concept where if we all have to try and experience everything for ourselves, then we're all going to start from this zero line, right? Mm. And so you're going to make mistakes and learn, make mistakes and learn. And throughout your life, you're going to make a certain amount of mistakes and end up, you know, maybe 20 feet forward. Yeah. But if you can learn from the mistakes of other people, you can you can start – from where they left off and move forward. There's no need to, there's certain mistakes you don't need to experience yourself. Yeah. It's a, probably a better idea to take take where someone else left off and expand on that and move forward. And that's that's why we've gotten here, right? You learn yep. from all the, all the mm-hmm. information that has been provided from before you. So I think that's what I want to hear is like, what do I do from the point I am today and how can you help me uh, maneuver uh, so I can make some good good decisions and, and um, rather than the kind of the entitlement uh, type of questions that, yeah. that you know, uh, like I, I should be doing this. I'm entitled to this. I'm a dentist too. <laughs> I should have this. And so I think, uh, it, <laughs> I think it, those are more productive questions. No, no. Uh, beautiful. Thank you. Uh, that, that does help uh, people change their mindset, especially, especially when things go south, you should know how to kind of stay uh, in the lane and still try to come out of it, especially like, for example, now coronavirus and uh, it's going to impact people. Uh, so I think it's a good advice at the right time. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So one last question and um, I'll leave you to, I'll leave you after that. <laughs> it's a three part question. Um, 
Now, what is one thing that you're excited about? What is one thing that you've changed your minds and or what is one thing that you do is which is absurd, which is stupid, which is funny. So, excited, change your minds, absurd. What am I excited about? I am I'm super excited. Uh I I I knew that I wanted to I knew I wanted to do something to change dentistry and to really, really like change the way dentistry is practiced. And, and, and we used to talk about this uh, before the coronavirus ever even was a concept. And so I've, I have now been in a place in a position where uh, teledentistry, telemedicine, some of the thoughts and processes that we had actually yeah. have an opportunity to, um, to really change the way things are done and, and not only for the benefit of patients, but for dentists. So I, everyone is forced now to listen. And, uh, and so I'm really excited about that because I think that now you, now that everyone is forced to listen, uh, they, they have to listen to and, and hear some of the value propositions and some of the ideas that we've, we've been working on for the last couple of years. So I'm super, super, super excited about that because I know, uh, yeah. in, in my heart, I know that, you know, whether for my company or, or from, some of our competitors, I think now it's here to stay. And uh, I think, I think this is going to be a, a whole new future for dentistry and for our patients. Sure. Um, something, uh, something uh, you said, a, a change, change, change your minds on. It doesn't have to be dentistry. It could be general something life. Like, yeah. 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 Um, I think, uh, <laughs> I think I've changed my mind about uh, wanting to stay in Los Angeles. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think now with all the things that are going around in these big cities, I think I might actually end up moving out of Los Angeles. I I, I think that's uh, you know look, I think you get to a point where t- where sudden environmental forces just just force you to uh, reevaluate everything, mm-hmm. and and you know I think at this point. Um, it takes it takes uh, situations like this to make you really evaluate what is right. and what is not important to you. And so, you know, I, I was I was having this discussion with my brother the other day. I was saying, you know, I wish I had gotten that ranch last year when I was looking at them. You know, I, I we, we could have been hanging out in in my ranch right now, just <laughs> in a, you know, away from the hustle and bustle. We don't have to worry about you know riots and uh, and and you know boarding up our offices and. And how you know we're gonna we're gonna be uh, you know waiting two hours in line to get food. So um, I think I think changing changing one's environment to to suit maybe that those other needs outside of the outside of just business and finances. Uh, so I think I think once this settles down, I'm, I'm finally gonna end up committing and getting my ranch. So there maybe next time we'll do this uh, podcast out of my ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, certainly, certainly. And uh, one thing that you do, which is which is funny, which is absurd. One thing that I do, which is pretty absurd. Um, it's a good question. One thing that I do that's funny, absurd. You know, I, I have this little magic trick that I do. It's pretty. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I and I've I've shared it sometimes with with. I haven't really publicized it too much. I, I released a couple of videos, but I have this funny um, 
Oh, you think it's trick on I YouTube? do with my extraction patients? Is it on and YouTube? I mean, the the uh, it is on YouTube. I think I posted a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, you can actually check it out. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I developed a technique to extract my teeth without them knowing, and so I, I like to you know, especially with really anxious or nervous patients. I've done it with implants too. So I numb the patient and uh, I take out their teeth. Uh, in this weird little technique that I've developed. And so um, while they're waiting to get fully numb, um, I tell them, you know, I said, you know, we're going to wait like 10, 15 minutes, let you get nice and numb. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll come back in 15, 10 minutes and, and take the teeth out. Um, but, but the teeth are already out. <laughs> so when, when I come back, um, you know, I, I, I kind of look at them. I said, you know, you look kind of nervous. Are you Okay. Meanwhile, my staff have like cleaned the teeth and prepared them and then uh, put them in a little box and surprise them with it. And I, and I asked them, I said, uh, are you okay? Do you want me to show you a little magic trick to calm you down? And, um, and you know, I, I have them like pick a hand and then I show them their teeth and they're all surprised and we record the whole thing and, and I give it to them like a little fun, uh, fun, you know experience and they're so happy it's over already they, they're sometimes they don't believe me and they're in shock and uh, i've had to prove it to them a couple of times <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah it's kind of something fun that and you i call it uh you know dental magic so you can you can look it up on youtube and i've released a couple of the videos with the patient's permission yeah um but i have i have probably about over a thousand of these oh wow uh, and so i have i've uh, you know, a lot of these videos and I, I enjoyed doing that in my career and I've done it a couple of times with implants as well. Yeah. So, uh, you're not practicing anymore, right? I mean, uh, as of now, no, or no, I haven't been practicing. So, uh, do you miss? Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been a while that I do you, do you, I, miss? I enjoy dentistry and I'll never stop. I'll never stop practicing. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, unfortunately I, um, I started developing some issues with my hand as after I, I got into a car accident uh, quite a while ago, um, and and as of the, it's been almost a year now that I've uh, I've been experiencing some some you know issues tingling and numbness in my hand. But I enjoy it, and I hope I hope uh, it's temporary, and I'll be able to go <laughs> back and continue to work. Um, but I, I think like uh, whether I, I'm doing surgeries or, or extractions or not. I think I would love to at least be involved in uh, in treatment planning and, and and still continue to do some of my volunteer work. Uh, so yeah, well, I'm not I'm not back to my day to day, and I and I, I feel like teledentistry is gonna uh, consume a lot of my time moving forward. Yeah, but I hope to I hope to get back to a point in practice. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it, well, um, I think this session this session was a really good session. I liked it. So um, thank you for thank you for your time. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. I'm uh, excited to hear how it comes out. Would you like to get a really small email a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and some weird stuff that we've gotten ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E-X-T-R-A That's right Podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra and you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD 
and I'll see you inside.